It's day 175. The Bible Rundown is alive. It's Pastor Rob, Pastor David on the mic today. It's Job 1 and 2. We have finished Esther. We are moving into the book of Job. If you have never read the book of Job, you better buckle in. It is a long book, but it is a good book. There is a lot happening in the first two chapters. We need to get to it. David, Job is a wealthy man. He is a uh, blessed man. He has many children. He has many cattle. He has many donkeys. Uh, he's got lots of camels. Would you say he has a plethora? Of he things? has a plethora of things. He's a godly man. Um, he, he prays for his children every day. And he is <clears throat> walking with the Lord. And then we have this scene where the Lord is speaking to Satan. And we have this phrase in verse 6. Now there was a, a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came, also came among them. Now, Genesis 5, remember... The sons of God uh, came into or married the daughters of man and produced what we would call Nephilim. And so many people ascribe the sons of God to angels or angelic beings. But I would say that some people uh, would describe the sons of God as the sons of Adam or the sons of Seth or the sons of God, as in those who call upon the name of the Lord, as in those who are sacrificing to the Lord. Right. So <clears throat> this could mean that these men of God are presenting themselves before the Lord in sacrifice, or it could mean the angelic beings are coming before the Lord in worship. What are your thoughts on that? I think if we're going to say it's angelic beings <coughs> and coming before the Lord in a heavenly scene okay, and Satan is in their midst, then I think we wrestle with how can a holy God allow something unholy and rebellious in his presence? Okay. So that would be number one, right? Yeah. If Isaiah 6 tells us we can't even like gaze upon God without being made clean and speak to the Lord without having our lips purified, right? Yeah. That's yeah. with a hot coal. Then how can Satan just have... So that's a troubling thing that you've got to wrestle with. I think regardless of where you end up, the dialogue between God and Satan is fascinating. That, right. That God would engage in a dialogue with the rebeller of his kingdom. Right. right? So I think it helps us <coughs> because we talk about in the Bible when we talk about apocalyptic literature, we don't mean like necessarily end of the world stuff. But what mm -hmm. the Bible, like the biblical term for apocalyptic literature, like Daniel and Revelation, it's less about how things are going to end in some mm -hmm. climactic, chaotic scene. It's more about earthly things happening right. and the heaven realities going on. Right. And that's what Job wants us to see. And mm -hmm. he didn't write this, someone else wrote the account. But it, I think it's just pointing us to the fact that 
there are spiritual things around that go on every single day around yeah. us that we mm-hmm. are oblivious to. Yeah. And so that's going to be a big question Job has to deal with. He's never told this dialogue between Satan and God. Right. God never reveals to him and says, hey, Job, you know what? In the end, Satan actually was just trying to test you, but mm-hmm. I knew that you'd last the test. Because Job doesn't need to hear that. Right. But we as the reader need to know that these things happen. And so Revelation, we talk about, it's a call to persevere in the faith. I think Job, in every sense, is similar. It's an encouragement for us that God, and we're going to see the friends wrestle with this, even though other religions tell us God exists to punish us when we do wrong and reward us when we do right, I think Job is here to say, you know, the punishment of God or suffering is not just because you've done wrong or done right. Right. God allows righteous people to suffer. And so how can he still be just to allow righteous people to suffer? And that's what we're going to have to wrestle through when we go through Job. And it's interesting. In the Tanakh or the Hebrew Bible, right, you partner... Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Job together. Right. So in our Bible, Job is not not next to these works. Um, you know, it's not it's not here. But in the Bible in which the Hebrews read, it's it's right partnered with, and it's clear in Scripture that it's 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 the wisdom literature of. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Proverbs tells us what the world should look like, and if you if you if you do this, you will be blessed. If you do don't do this, you'll be against God and judged. Yeah. But Ecclesiastes tells us that's not all the way always the the case, right? Yeah. And then Job really shows us that sometimes it's the opposite, and we're 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 left to go. Well, what do we do with this? And so, like, what do you do with the book of Job from a perspective of a holy and righteous God punishes or judges or uh, takes away from a righteous man, a seemingly righteous man, right? And again, we are left with what only we have, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. The ultimate wisdom of God. The ultimate wisdom of God where the righteous is judged for the unrighteous. Right. And Paul writes about this in, in contrasting in Corinthians <coughs> the foolishness of the world's wisdom with the supposed foolishness of the cross. Yeah. Which is God's wisdom, right? So the just suffering unjustly for the unrighteous. Right. And Job is pointing us forward to what Christ did on right. our behalf. You know? And when, when we I think and that should encourage us, but also should bless us, like when Christ is pouring out his heart through prayer and bleeding sweat drops of blood, it's the reality of the suffering that he's gonna embrace. Yeah. And then when he goes to the cross and, and asks for forgiveness, he never loses his righteousness despite suffering. And so if Christ can do it and now Christ lives in you, Rob, then you have the hope that you can endure any type of suffering that the Lord may allow to come your way because he's given you his own spirit to be able to overcome. 
and, and Job is a great encouragement. Like, it's preparation if we've not gone through difficult suffering. We mm-hmm. need to know it, and we need to know God's wisdom and how to apply it to our life when it comes. But for those that are in our circles that maybe are going through something devastating, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is, it's look to the example of Job, cling to the Lord, despite the things that seem to be upside down in your life. So he's had... Not only his business taken away, his money taken away, his household taken away, all of his children are gone. His wife turns against him. <clears throat> his wife turns against him, and he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Sounds like a good song. Yeah. It's an incredible, incredible statement from a man who has lost everything. And the beauty of, of Job, as we kind of wrap up and we're getting into the, the next couple chapters of the couple of days, Job has a limited knowledge of who God is. And the way that the book resolves is that going through these difficult times gives him a fuller picture of the Lord and something that deepens his faith. And so why does God allow <coughs> suffering? In a way, it's a to tool. James 1 tells us, right? When we have stood the test that comes from the Lord, it produces what? Steadfastness. So if you want to grow in your faith, be willing to be challenged by the Lord and stretched. When bad things come, don't curse. Seek joy in that midst and have hope that the Lord's going to restore to you even greater joy having gone through it. Man, what a book. What a start to the book. Thanks, David, for sharing. You're on the Bible Rundown. We'll see you tomorrow.